Today on episode number 390 of the Teaching in Higher Ed podcast, Music and Academic Growth with Joshua Whittinghill. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to this episode of Teaching in Higher Ed. I'm Bonnie Stahoviak, and this is the space where we explore the art and science of being more effective at facilitating learning. We also share ways to improve our productivity approaches so we can have more peace in our lives and be even more present for our students. Today, I welcome to the show Joshua Whittinghill. During the past 20 years, he's been fortunate to have served students in various roles at Chico State, academic advisor, assessment coordinator for the Educational Opportunity Program, coordinator for the campus's Writing Center and Supplemental Instruction Program, consultant to the faculty for the First Year Experience Program, and currently he is one of five information technology consultants in the Teaching and Learning Program and a lecturer in the Department of Multicultural Gender Studies. In this episode, you'll hear about Joshua's research on students' relationships with music and the academic, social, and emotional development that comes out of these relationships. Specifically, you'll hear about Music for Our Souls, a workshop designed to provide students, staff, and faculty with an opportunity to learn about or revisit academic, social, and emotional competencies outlined by the Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning. Joshua, welcome to Teaching in Higher Ed. Oh, hi, Bonnie. Thanks for having me today. I I think I'm one of those longtime crushers on the podcast and I've been waiting for years to try and get on here. So I'm glad this worked out. Yeah, I've loved our ongoing conversations. And and it is one of those things sometimes takes a little while. I put people in my queue, but the queue is very long. And this just seemed the right time, though, to have a conversation about music. So everything juxtaposed perfectly for today. It was me where I was going back looking for something on, I think it was uh, I was looking for a certain topic, designing for learning or um, universal design for teaching. And, and I ran across an episode and you mentioned in there, I really would someday love to have an episode about music. And I think that was way back in your double digit episode number. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been a while. And here we are. I know music comes up a lot on the show, but this is the first one we've done dedicated to music. Before we talk about your life in music, I would love to just hear about your life in school and education. And I do know that you're, I'm going to be very sarcastic here. So if you're reading the transcript right now, this is sarcasm, what you're about to hear. But yes, you have quite the stellar, you know, 4.0 GPA, in fact, even higher than 4.0, 4.427, right? That's your background, correct? <laughs> well, only only a small portion of it. Yes. And, and that's it's one of the things that that got me to music, I think. And I'll start in the beginning sort of, I'll even go into high school a little bit because I was one of the, I guess, students, unfortunately, at one point where I was told, hey, you're gifted. Now you're in this gate program. And it's, it, I've seen a lot of articles by people in the last number of years talking about that was really a curse. And I didn't see it at the time. But what happened was work ethic didn't really develop for me as far as education because I was told, oh, it's, it's so easy for you. And I, And then high school came along and I didn't put a lot of effort in and I would still get pretty decent grades. 
but there was never any vision for after high school. We did, I didn't, it wasn't talked about in my family of what that was going to be like. And so when I went off to college, it was sort of just discovering on my own. And I was more of a lost sailor out at sea, just cruising this vast ocean, not really paying attention to any signs of what I should be doing. And I lived with, at one point, seven different people, and they all went to a university, and I was at the community college in the same town. And I didn't really realize when I wasn't with them that all of them were doing homework. (laughs) So I was just (laughs) doing other things along the way. And I I just thought they were all doing the same thing I was doing because I was with them a lot of times. But there was other hours where they were taking care of their school business. and I was doing so poorly at one point that the community college said, hey, you might not be able to come back here. (laughs) That's how bad I was doing. And I can laugh about it now in a sense, because that was, oh gosh, when I was 19 years old, so 30 years ago, I'll I'll share it. I'm 49 years old now. And so, so that was a couple of years of just flailing at community college. And then I decided to get away from the, where I was. And I thought, oh, a, a new start somewhere else will be different for me and not around the same influences. And I moved to Chico, where I still live, and it got worse at community college there because I didn't really know anybody and didn't have support of any kind. And, and I was still on what they call academic probation. But I ran into one instructor there and they said, hey, I'll help you get through this class because all you need to do is get a C in this class and you can then transfer over to Chico State. And I said, OK, great. So I did that. I think I transferred over with exactly a 2.0. It was the first time in four years that I was not on academic probation. So I got to Chico State and the first year, what did I do? Straight F's and D's mm. the whole entire first year. And it was not looking good. And that's when I had a music professor at the time. And he, I went to him and I said, here's my situation. I am going to be disqualified from school. I, uh, you know, and this is, and he said, you know what? Work on the final, redo everything. Go take your time, do a good job on it. I'll regrade it and see where you're at. And it was enough where I got back off of probation at um, Chico State. And then from then on, I said, okay, life is different. I have to do something different. So I changed a lot of my personal choices. And so now today, it's actually 26 years, four months and three days that I've been clean and sober, working recovery and sobriety. And so at that moment, all of a sudden I was this 4.0 student. And I was spending eight hours on the weekends each day doing homework and studying and researching and hanging out with other people who wanted to study. And that went well for a long time. And I graduated. And one of my friends said, hey, and what I did was I studied music. I said, you know what? I love music. I've never actually studied it. I've never been a good musician. I've never taken the time. And I said, if I'm not going to do it now, when is the opportunity going to come up for me to study music from people who know what they're doing? And so that's where I was with the, the music program. And I just jumped in full bore and was, was all about it. And it saved my life because if I was studying something else, I don't know at the time that I would have really been embraced by what music did for me. And so I graduated, moved on. And then I said, you know what? I don't know why I never studied English because really what I loved about music was the lyrics. And so then I jumped back into school at that point and started a master's program for English, went about it slowly and started a family and those things. So it took a number of years, but I did finish and I turned in my 
thesis the week my son was born. <laughs> and it was a fantastic journey. And then I waited another couple of years. And then I had a, another kid. My wife and I had a daughter. And they both started going into elementary school. Obviously, they were they were getting older. Life, that's how time works, I think, right? They kept going. And I said, I should probably know more about the educational system. I work in it in higher ed, but I don't know about K through 12 much. So I jumped into a master's program for education and I was doing that and loved everything about it and was learning and having great conversations with my kids, teachers and uh, just about myself being a faculty and instructor of how do I improve now that I'm learning these things. And I got close to finishing and I thought I was done. And a great friend of mine said, Hey, what are you doing? Why don't you go get your doctorate? You're the kind of person that needs to be in a doctorate program. And I said, huh, I don't know. Let me look into it. And it was like a five or six week period from when she mentioned it to me and when the application was due. So, so I jumped in, did it all and got and was accepted and then was able to join a doctorate program at UC Davis um, for, uh, called Candell and it's on educational leadership. And as I did that, it was about a three and a half year process. And the, when COVID hit, a month into COVID, my dissertation was published and my diploma showed up in the mail. And it was just like a validation of all the transformation and change. And, and music was always at sort of the behind the scenes, if it wasn't at the forefront of getting mm-hmm. me through those times and, and being able to learn more about myself, learn more about that. And it was really reinforced. My daughter was about 10 when I finished and she made me a card. She said, Hey dad, thanks for being a great role model. This is awesome. I'm glad you achieved your goals. And I thought like, that's, that's more than the degree. I'm hearing a tension between a good healthy tension in your stories between that long-term vision that propels us forward. And then you mentioned about the way that you described your story of addiction was a day by day, you know, a, I oh, mean, you, you, gave, you gave us a day. So those two things can work in concert with each other. So yeah. that's part of what I'm hearing. And then also just this passion, continued passion for music. Would you tell us about music for our souls? Oh, gosh, yes, definitely. So one of the things as I was sort of starting well, it was even before the doctorate program. I, I was working on a program for students who run academic probation. And it was funny because when they asked me in my in my previous position, they asked me to take that role on because it was a program that existed in a certain way, in a fashion. And I was given the materials and was reading through, looking at it. And I thought, you know, if I was on probation and someone gave me these materials, I would not really care about anything they're trying to teach me because it was very data, just here's the numbers, here's what you need, here's this, here's what you need to do, now go do better. And I thought, if I could, seriously, if that was me, I don't know that I would have even showed up to the next workshop for that is the way it was designed. So I said, you know, when I was there, here's what helped me. And so I really looked into how are we evolving socially? How are we growing as people? And that became so important in accountability, personal accountability and being able to reflect. And so I developed this program. And after the first couple of years, students, I would notice they would come to the workshops, right? And all of them would have some kind of earphones just about. And I, and I started wondering, maybe they're listening to music just as much as I do. So I started asking questions. And, and of course, most all of them were listening to music. And so then I said, okay, what can I do about this? And then I was introduced 
to um, the Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning, or CASEL. And I th- I've heard a couple of your guests talk about CASEL in the past. And so I looked at their framework, and it has the f- very five specific competencies um, from self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, uh, relationship building, and we're making, making responsible decisions, right? And I, and I said, well, does music play a role in this at all? If students are doing this, because I know, and I mentioned to you right before this, it doesn't seem like a lot of our courses in higher education have a lot of social or emotional curriculum built in to discuss and help students on their journey while they're growing individually and as a collective in different areas. And I said, okay, let me see what I can do. So I went into my dissertation doing research and I thought, you know, let's see if I can put together this questionnaire that basically is just based on these five areas and a number of the different competencies, the number of characteristics that go along with each competency and ask people to listen to a song and see if the song does anything about these areas. And so For example, one of the characteristics around social awareness is empathy for others, understanding other people's experiences is is one of the examples. And so I created uh, a spreadsheet with all of these on there for folks. And then I kind of piloted it with my dissertation asking students. And at the end, they thought a lot of students came back and said, you know, I did not realize music was doing those things for me. And that was powerful to, to hear that these are students who some of them claim to listen to music 16 hours a day. And they were saying, I did not even realize it was helping me connect in these areas. Hmm. Right. And so, for, for example, if I can share one of the quotes, because that where, is where it really gets driven home. Like, Because I, I love data. I love numbers, but they don't mean much. Right. Unless you hear and feel the people behind those things. And so. One of them that I think is really powerful about self-management, um, one of the students said, so I'm first generation and I want to get my master's. Now, when I get down or I feel like I'm struggling or forget why I'm here, I listen to songs, mainly rap songs about people saying they are doing what they do for their family. And I remember I'm doing this for my mom. And then I was like, oh, I'm doing this for my family so that I can take care of them one day. Mm. Would you share the one on self-awareness? Oh, sure, sure. Uh, And these are just a few that were pulled out. But self-awareness, the student said, I listen to music to let out all my emotions because I'm someone who it's very hard to show people like, you know, my weaknesses, my emotions. I see them as weaknesses. But I know that showing emotions is actually something that a strong person does. And so to be stronger, I usually just put certain songs on repeat to get better about talking about my feelings. Mm. Would you do one more, the one on social awareness? <laughs> sure. This one is, is very, pretty powerful. They're all powerful in different ways. So this one is on um, social awareness. A student, after listening to the song they picked out specifically for the um, discussion, they said, just knowing that musicians sing about things in my life, like racism and poverty, and that other people can feel the same way I do, helps me feel I'm not going through things alone, Mm. especially in this city, like how white and not diverse it is compared to where I'm from. Thank you so much. I'm teaching a personal leadership and productivity class. And early on 
in the course to build community and also to get students reflecting about what they consider to be their current state of productivity, what, what's working for them, what's not working for them. They created a video called Three Artifacts About Me. And I'm going to share when I have permission from her to share this. Uh, her name is Jackie Macias. And I'm going to play it. Joshua, I know you've heard part of it, but I'll play the full thing for you now and then give everyone a chance to hear a little bit more from Jackie. And then I'd love to hear you comment on what themes that you're seeing that she shares that also connect with the research you've been doing. Hi, my name is Jackie, and here are three, out of, three artifacts about me that help me stay productive and organized. So for the first one, I actually put an iPod representing uh, music because I think music helps me be like really pro productive. Like sometimes I'll be in my room and I'll just start playing some music and I'm like, I'm going to clean. Like I just always end up doing that. Even if it's just like around the house and I'm listening to music, I like cleaning, helping out. And it also helps me focus while I'm doing homework sometimes. I don't put music with like lyrics though. I usually play like one of those lo-fi stations on YouTube that are live for like 24 seven because those are really like calming. It takes my stress and anxiety away. So I like listening to that. And then I also put a picture of my family because although my family's pretty loud around the house, they have helped me stay organized and productive with everything going on right now and like having to do everything at home, at least these past two semesters, they really let me have my own space and focus on school and everything. So I really appreciate that. They support me in a lot of things and that's just like one of the biggest things for me right now. And lastly, I also put a picture of these three paintings. I hang out with my friends a lot at least this past summer I did, but during school, I don't get to see them as much. And when I do, I really cherish it because it is, we are like calm and collected. I have fun. And like, I think this is what helps me get a break from everything that's like, that's going on. And I feel like it helps me uh, stay productive because I feel like it's kind of okay. Like, let me take a break and do something fun and then back to work it just sometimes you need a break and you just can't get burnt out because then it's probably just going to lower the organization and productivity so yeah i just wanted to include that in there what did you hear in jackie's story oh gosh yeah um especially a lot of it i like the idea of the, the you know the organization she has different outlets but the music part is really fascinating because my my latest study research I was able to do with a couple of other faculty really asked the question of students, do you listen to music when you study, read, or do homework? And to hear that as she reinforces that, we had a pre-pandemic study with about 600 students and a current, like during pandemic times with about 450 students. So we had quite a few students. For our sample from the second survey was around the country, we were able to send out to different campuses and, and some of our colleagues around. And the first one was strict on our campus, but we came up, we, we learned from those students, you know, about 90% of them claim to listen to music for at least an hour at some point in the day. That was just general music. But what was fascinating was 75% of those 1,100 students said they listened to music for about four hours a day while they study, do homework, or read. 
Mm. And it was even more what was great about some of the things, the reasons why they listen to music, aside from to help with studying and focus, is what Jackie said. They listen to music for the, for the we, had, we had first generation students and then we had non-first generation students. So we had a good sample of both about, almost about half of our total sample was, was split 50-50 there. And for the first, for, for most of them, it came across with express feelings and emotions was very important of why they listen to music. Relieve stress and anxiety was also one of the top ones. Jackie mentioned that listening to music helps her relieve her anxiety. Also to get through difficult times. And so whether Jackie's talking about her cleaning as a distraction, maybe, and that's what we've learned is sometimes getting through difficult times was getting your mind on something else. And students would play music for that to help and reduce loneliness came up there a lot. Now, what was also fascinating, this is a little bit different from what she said, but our students who identified as male versus students who identified as female, the male students said listen to music to be creative and use their imagination on a higher level than the students who identified as female. Mm-hmm. So, and we, and we had other gender identities that people chose, but our, our numbers that were uh, outside of male and female were were very small in our respondents for this um, study. But those were, I mean, that's interesting to, to see and hear. And that's one of the reasons I'm, what I was able to do recently was really fun, was um, able to present at the first generation student success conference through NASPA. And I was able to present my uh, workshop on music for our souls because I thought, you know, students aren't the only people, <laughs> right? right? There's all of our colleagues. And so I, put the proposal in, was accepted, and then was able to start doing it with faculty and staff and get a different response from being, you know, having more time, more experience in life. But even after that workshop, a lot of the faculty and staff also were just amazed. They thought, you know what, I've been listening to this song for 25 years of my life, and I didn't know it was touching on these areas and helping me connect to certain things. So it sounds like Jackie is, you know, on her way with music of of using and and that was one of the things of my, my biggest question now and what I'm trying to figure out and do with more people is get this workshop to other people to share it. it says because what are we doing then if if we're talking about this this phrase that we hear quite often is let's meet the students where they're at. Right. And so so if they're at their AirPods or their earbuds or listening to music, how can we help them use that to be successful with personal growth and academic growth. And I know there's academic is personal, but you know, the sort of separation of things happening that aren't necessarily connected to their academics. The other thing that she mentioned I found fascinating is the idea of being able to concentrate better with music that doesn't have lyrics. And like you, I, I really enjoy thinking and reflecting on the lyrics of songs, but it can be incredibly distracting to me. And I was sort of cracking up because it can even be something that you would think, you know, why would you like it's such why couldn't you just have that as a back channel and still be able to concentrate? But I was thinking about recently I had some exchanges on lyrics that we get wrong over time. And some people right. listening may remember this song from way back when I think it was the nineties, George Michael had a song called Freedom. And uh-huh. The lyrics, I mean, some of them, I I think some of them are pretty easy to recognize. But one that I got wrong is I thought that he was saying at one point, what I wouldn't give just to butter your knees. And (laughs) it's 
That is not at all the lyrics that he says. The lyrics are something like what I wouldn't give just my buddy and me. It was my buddy and me. And I thought it was butter my knees. And oh my gosh, it just, you know, how could you ever listen to that song and not be laughing at yourself when you get something so wrong? And anyway, I mean, or if it's just a song that so many songs I associate with memories and it'll take me back into that time. I'll often have a person that I associate songs with. So, I mean, it's just impossible for me to ever think I was going to get something done, but I do enjoy having something in the background, whether that's some kind of just noise just to sort of get some of the noise of the neighborhood out of my ears and, you know, a little bit more able to focus, but... Definitely. And I, I'm, I'm that kind of person as well. I think it's not always music. My, my kids and my, my wife and my partner will ask sometimes, like, how can you do that? Because I'll be in the room with them and they'll be watching a show and I'll be there and I'll have one AirPod in listening to something on my computer and I'll be reading an article at the same time. And it's like, what are you? I said, well, I know I'm not learning as much as I can from all of them, but at least I'm getting the initial intake of these things. Mm-hmm. So it's fun. But I, um, it's funny because she mentioned lo-fi was one of the reasons I started laughing because right before I logged in here, I pulled up some things to share. I didn't put it on my on my list of recommendations yet, but I pulled up a lo-fi station on YouTube because it is one of the great things that students introduced me to early on in uh, some of my working with them and talking about what they listen to. Lo-fi was, was recommended by a number of students. And in the latest study that, and I have to share a little more on the excited side, I share is that I just heard uh, about maybe four or five days ago that my latest article co-authored with two business professors has been accepted to the journal Higher Education Theory and Practice. So that was fun. But in that study, instrumental music was about third on the list that students were listing. And it wasn't always lo-fi. It was, they were very specific, instrumental, you know, like classical or some people wrote Baroque, some people wrote Renaissance. I mean, but they were listening to instrumental music for sure to keep lyrics out. I am sure this is just a YouTube slash Google search away, but I don't even think I know what lo-fi music is. Is it easy to describe or? <laughs> I can, I can share, I can share my screen and audio. Yeah, let's do, let's do, do like a little bit here. I don't know, okay. 10, 10 seconds, something yeah, like sure. that. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, let me get it. Let me get it playing. Okay, and then I'll share my screen audio and it's going to come up here in a second. We'll have an audible answer to my question. I suspect I won't be the only one who wonders about <laughs> this too. It sounds like lo fi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I like it. So, and, and if you just search on YouTube, the, you can just search lo-fi. And usually what comes up on YouTube quite often is lo-fi music for studying actually fills in. So that's um, one of the things. That oh, there, and there's, interesting. There are a numerous, you know, endless number of options um, there. It's just, just relaxing. And yeah. most of them come with some sort of anime cartoon movie playing of usually someone just kind of sitting there with headphones doing homework at a computer or at a desk or something like that is usually the accompaniment. Oh, that's just fascinating. Well, this is actually the perfect time for us to transition to the recommendation segment. And you'll see why in a second, Joshua. He doesn't know what I'm going to recommend, but he could probably guess. So first off, I want to just refresh people's mind that back when I had Marcus Kroom on the podcast, 
he talked about, and now I'm getting confused whether he talked about this after the recording stopped. He might have. I think I think it might have been after we recorded. So you might you might not even have heard him recommend this. My memory is failing me at the moment. But he talked about recommending making a class specific music playlist and that he likes to have students contribute to this playlist and everything. And so I gave it a try this time. And I was not disappointed because not only did I get introduced, I asked them to because it is a personal leadership class, I asked them to just share a song that is something that to you is representative of who you are as a person, what your purpose, sense of purpose is and all of that. So I got some wonderfully eclectic songs, including that someone in the class included a song by an artist named Rick Astley, and it's called Never Gonna <laughs> Give You Up. And for those of you not familiar with this particular meme, it's called being Rick Rolled. And back when I was very early in my professional career, in the 90s, we used to play tricks on each other and try to get each other on an email to click on a link to take you to play this course of Never Gonna Give You Up. So I thought he put the song in there. Uh, and I'm thinking, what are the chances that this person who I, I'm very similar in age to you, I just turned 50 in April. So I'm like, okay. who's decades younger than me? What are the chances that this young oh. man knows what Rick Rolling, Rolling is? Well, sure enough, of course he does. And then this, uh -huh. I promise this does not give anything away about this particular television show. I promise, I promise, I'm not a fan of spoilers. But yeah. on the second season of Ted Lasso, the television show, which is uh, airs on Apple TV+, they have literally an entire episode that has to do with being Rickrolled. And it is both funny oh, and sad and sweet and everything in between. Again, I'm not ruining anything other than to say, I don't know if there's a resurgent of resurgent of, <laughs> of um, Rickrolling or if it's been with us the whole time and I just didn't notice. But my next, so my first recommendation is make a class music playlist. Do it. See what songs they want to contribute. I had an absolute blast and their their playlist is so good. I listen to it all the time. And then I also did want to recommend the playlists from Ted Lasso specifically. So there is one from season one. This will be in the show notes. And there's one from season two, the music from Ted Lasso. They really do such a great job of of soundtracks for that. You know, there was that that survey that used to be on the Oh, gosh, I'm trying to remember the name of this talk show. It was famous for um, interviewing celebrities. Oh, inside the actor's studio. And oh, at the okay. end, they would have a survey. And one of the surveys was, what profession would you most like to try other than your current one? And I'm always like, I want to be the person that makes the soundtracks for movies or television <laughs> shows. I just think that would be the greatest profession in the world. But I'm going to keep going with my recommendations because also on that television show, and again, I'm not giving anything away from the show you couldn't see in the previews and stuff. There is a playlist from two characters who are romantically involved and one of the characters makes a playlist for his girlfriend and it's called Roy is sorry for not understanding Keely playlist. And it's, I mean, and it took me back to songs from decades ago that I mean, I still Sade was one of the ones that comes up. I can totally remember these songs from my youth. And then um, a couple of other ones. There is a wonderful television series that actually I already recommended many, many moons ago, but they have a great soundtrack. The television show is an HBO show called The Righteous Gemstones, and that soundtrack is an absolute hoot. And then there's a book that's called On the Come Up, and the book has its own 
playlist of music. Oh. Uh, there's some rap and hip hop music. And so they'll, they actually have a playlist that I'll link to as well. So I recommend that as well. And then my final recommendation is an episode of This American Life. It's their episode 746. And it's called This Is Just Some Songs. And it is a great listen. I mean, uh, This American Life is always so good, but it's just a great listen for people who love music and I don't want to give too much away, but it's definitely worth a listen. So, all right, Joshua, I'm going to pass it over to you for your recommendations. Oh, gosh. Okay. Maybe I, I love the the playlist part because that's one thing I have also been doing for a number of years. And I learn about so much music, even after studying music and doing my own all the time of finding new stuff. Students amaze me, with, you know, bands and artists I've never even heard of. And I'll be listening to it in the car and my kids are like, dad, why, why are you listening to this? This is our kind of music. And I explain to them and they go, oh, okay, that makes sense. But, <laughs> but a lot of it is great music though. Oh yeah. You no, know, it's really fun. And, and, and uh, one of the things that I um, found interestingly in the last, one of the last couple of class playlists that I did, I put songs on there to kind of begin the playlist. And that way they kind of see my taste and they, I said, don't, don't look at mine. Just obviously put your own songs on there. And I had put a song on there by a band and one of the came up to me after and he goes, Hey, you really like that band? I said, yeah. And he goes, Oh yeah. That lead singer is my uncle. <laughs> oh my god! <gosh, laughs> I was like, Whoa. Okay. That's so great. So that was, that was a, that was a really small world connection. It's a, it was a great, um, a band and everything. I have so. to tell you one other story just because you shared that. So I used to be a camp counselor way back in the day in my, in my college years every summer. That's what I would do. And so sometimes the students would try to play tricks on me and say, oh, you should say this word in Spanish. And since they knew I didn't speak Spanish, they would try to, you know, get me to uh, say curse words and okay. stuff. And I, I will admit that I fell for it at the time, but I am now, you know, we get, you get to be a certain age. And so a, a young man in the class had, had recommended a song that was all in Spanish. So I go to Google Translate to look up the lyrics uh -huh. and the chorus was one that was all about living life for today. And it, and it really yeah. resonated with me. And the verses were all about partying up at every single which way that you could imagine some of the things I'd never even heard of before. For and all this. And so I do work at a religiously affiliated school. And so I very carefully put in my response to the to the guy's discussion post, first off, how much I loved the song, because by the way, it is an awesome song. Yeah. But second of all, it said, boy, I really resonated with me. The part that you said in the, in the chorus that really resonates. It's something I struggle with. I struggle with living life for today. So thank you for this reminder. And as to the verses... I can't really I can't really say that that's going to bring a lot of fulfillment in one's life and I have found a lot of emptiness in those kinds of activities in my own life. Right. You know, just just so that cuz you never know. You never know if somebody is trying to play a trick on you and I think it's fun to let them know that we do have a sense of humor and it I mean I find it quite funny if they were trying to, you know, play a trick on me. I think that's funny. But on the other thing, you know, you never know when someone might be reaching out for some help or it might be helpful for them to know how empty, you know, lifelong partying can be you know that kind right, of thing yeah, exactly so, yes yeah. anyway thank you for so, that yeah no no and so okay so i have a i have a, a list here of, of things to recommend and one of them is a podcast called dissect and the host is cole kushna and his podcast is a serial sort of podcast where each season he dissects an, an entire album from a specific artist. And he has, I think, season nine 
is rolling out and it's already been out for a little while now. But so the whole thing is great every season and, and most of it is uh, rap, hip hop, R&B based artists. But I would say and then I had a note for a very specific episode would be the Lauren Hill episode number seven. And uh, it's a song. Everything is everything. It's just, it's a wonderful song about it's a message that she wrote to youth and developing and working through difficult times in the world. And then also in the middle of it, she kind of compares and kind of contrasts, but asks people sort of, do you know the struggles of Sister Betty? And so she's referring to Betty Shabazz, who was married to Malcolm X. And you see a lot of Shabazz high schools around the country. And so that is in part of this educational connection as well in that song. But it's a, a wonderful song. But the whole the whole series of dissect is great as well. And then for education and talking about social, emotional development and growth, um, there's a TED talk from an educator who, before she passed away, she was working in Pennsylvania, Rita Pearson. If you haven't seen her TED talk, it's great. It's called Every Kid Needs a Champion. And it really is talking about our support as instructors. And it's not, she, she was working K through 12, but as you mentioned a minute ago, people may have a cry for help or try to reach out. They just don't know how to. And in higher ed, we are seeing obviously more and more in the recent years, students working through anxiety, stress, depression, and to, to the point where I've started, you know, and there started to be articles and discussions and even some of the students talking about, hey, we're not really millennials or generation, whatever, we're generation anxiety. Mm. And so, so her TED Talk is really great about what we can do as far as compassion and sympathy and empathy for, for the students we're working with. Then uh, I mentioned CASEL earlier, the Collaborative for Academic Social and Emotional Learning. It's a wonderful resource. Um, their website has all sorts of resources as far as curriculum, pedagogy, and ways you can implement it. And it is, it is K through 12, a lot of the focus, but I've just taken a lot of it and just implemented it into the courses I teach. And so there, it is coming around a little bit more. And if it's something you're interested in trying to implement into a course you're, you're teaching, um, that is a great resource. And then finally, as far as for just the joy of being a kid and looking at things through kids' eyes sometimes and connection to that, there is a uh, writer, William H. Hooks, who wrote a number of different books, all young adult and children's books, but um, they're all about, you know, a lot of them are about 30 to 45 pages and nice. They're very beautifully illustrated um, by Brian Pinckney. And the one that my kids really latched onto is called The Ballad of Bell Dorcas. And it's a lot of the stories that William H. Hooks wrote are all from stories he heard living in the Carolinas. And this one is a conjuring story. So about a conjure woman who can help a free issue woman and her man that's a slave be able to escape into freedom, but it has its costs. Hmm. But so that's a great um, a book to read. So I think I should stop there, even though my list just keeps going and going. <laughs> oh, this has been such a great conversation, Joshua. I'm so glad that you reached out such a long time ago and we got to have some conversation over a number of years and congratulations on your podcast. Would you like to share just quickly about the oh. podcast before we close in case people can listen? I'll, I'll include that in the oh. show notes as well. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Thank you. I'm, I'm always having a hard time with that tightrope of self-promotion and that. And, and But I also want people to learn about it because 
the podcast, I reached out to Bonnie for some feedback, even maybe about a year and a half ago. I had been trying to do a podcast for a couple of years, but then my sort of mission kept switching of what the podcast would be about. So I finally was able to land on a thing because uh, I also needed a co-host. I really didn't want to do it alone in the sense of what the topic was going to be and everything. But our podcast is called First Generation, One of Many. And you can find us, we have a website, so you can check out the website and see information there. We have all of our episodes up. We have the transcripts. We have recommendations. We, we actually formed our podcast similar to um, Bonnie's outline here. And so it has been fascinating. And we get a lot of great discussions. We bring in first-generation students and alum and talk about their experiences with different aspects. We have things from um, scholar athletes to being uh, identifying as a Hmong woman. We've had topics on self, on belonging, sense of belonging, um, some topics on the issue, uh, the discussion of equity, diversity. So it just ranges. And our latest episode was the College of Agriculture. So it's a great resource. Our mission was to really help provide voice for first generation students and alum, but also then be providing resources for faculty, staff, and fellow students who are working with and working for first-generation students. So yeah, I appreciate it. if anybody wants to check it out. It is it is fun. We we just posted an episode about an hour ago. Our latest one that went out today was actually the one that got posted today is about basic needs. Mm. Well, thank you so much for today's conversation. And I hope this is just the beginning of of a continued conversation, or I should say the continuance of a continued conversation. Can I say that? (laughs) (laughs) I really enjoyed today. Thank you. Yes, thank you. I did too. Thank you so much. Thank you to Joshua Whittinghill for joining me for today's episode of Teaching in Higher Ed. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you've been listening for a while and have yet to sign up for the weekly update, I highly encourage you to do so. You'll get all of the links to the great stuff that Joshua recommended and the other resources from the episode and also some things that don't show up in the show notes. So you can head on over to teachinginhighered.com slash subscribe for that once a week email. And thank you so much for being a part of the Teaching in Higher Ed community. I will see you next time on Teaching in Higher Ed.